0: Hey there, dog people of the internet! It's Sarah, and this is Cog Dog Radio. Last time I kicked off a new topic series, which is puppies, puppy selection, primarily, and uh, breeder selection. Last time, um, I really talked about how I think it's more important to place stock in the person you buy the puppy from and the pairing out of the out of which the puppies come from than puppy testing itself there was a lot of questions in my inbox about puppy testing and you know mostly people wanting to save themselves the trouble that my clients have gone through and the truth is that none of us has a crystal ball and you know we can we can do the very best we can in puppy selection and we still might be landed with some tough problems. I do wanna clarify something, which is that I had mentioned that each of my clients that we've talked about so far had acquired their dogs from what are known to be top breeders um, and that my clients were informed people. And I want to clarify something because I got a very insightful email that helped me understand that I wasn't clear. And I wasn't clear in the sense that, you know, what I meant to say is that my clients made decisions that were considered well-informed. So the general consensus in the dog community would look at the choices they made in acquiring a puppy and say, yes, they did a good job. That doesn't mean that I think their choices were well-informed necessarily. I, my personal thoughts on selecting a breeder are not necessarily conventional ones and they're not necessarily popular ones. Um, to me, any breeding operation that results in a profit of the breeder can't possibly be doing the kind of job that I would like my breeder to be doing. And so you know and i also you know i talked about breeders really knowing the dogs that they were producing and really knowing the dogs that they were using and any kind of large-scale operation you're going to get less and less um knowledge i think on the part of the breeder i realize people disagree with me on that it's perfectly fine we're all allowed to make our own choices i just wanted to clarify that when i said that they, that my clients had made informed choices on picking breeders that what they did was they made, you know, conventionally appropriate choices. They made choices that they would be counseled to make by a lot of people, not necessarily the choices that I would have made, um, or that I would recommend if somebody were asking me. I actually didn't know any of them while they were searching for these puppies. I didn't know Emily yet. I didn't know Patty yet when she was looking for Kevin. Um, And I didn't know Heidi either. Um, Only one of them has gone on to get another puppy, and that's Heidi. And we did talk a lot about what she wanted to do differently this time. And I have to say, I... I, she's really happy with her new dog, and I'm really happy for her with her new dog. And it, her new dog is the same breed as prime, but is a night and day difference from him. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with Heidi's knowledge now, but it has a ton to do with the type of breeder that prime that sorry, bright her new dog came from. So today, I'm going to just tell three stories. Um, I'm going to tell the story of each of my Border Collies. So I'm going to start with Kelso. I have mentioned him many times. He probably comes up in about every podcast because he is a major influence on everything that I do to this day. He's been gone about a year and a half. He and he made it to 14, which is decent longevity for any dog. in the mid-range, in the mid- mid-range mid size category. Um, and I got him out of the newspaper. <laughs> so, um, I went to the ads for Border Collie puppies and I found one and <laughs> I called and they still had a lot of puppies available and my mom drove me way out into the country where the puppies were and... I picked him out mostly on looks (laughs) he was very handsome from day one all of the puppies were um, just kind of even even tempered I had it kind of narrowed down to two of them and Kelso was the better-looking one so he's the one that I took there was one puppy in the litter uh, that was red they were all black and white other than this one and That one was the most fearful of everybody. And that's the only one that I remember being outwardly fearful. But none of them were outwardly gregarious either. And I was a teenager and my mother said, (laughs) we drove three hours and you're picking one. (laughs) Everything that I had read said, you know, pick an outgoing, friendly puppy. And none of them really were. And my mom said, we drove a, we drove a long way and you're going to get one of these dogs whether, you know, whether you think it's a good choice or not, basically. And so I picked him out and both of his parents were on site. I do remember seeing both of them and both of them were loose with the puppies. And that's probably the only positive of the whole situation. Um, my mom cut the lady a check if I remember right. He was $250, which is a joke now. I'm not going to tell you the price tag of my next two dogs because it's a little bit of a different story. Um, but anyway, I, I took him home. I didn't know any better. And you know what? Ignorance is bliss because he changed my life. And had I been a more informed individual, I wouldn't. he wouldn't have been my dog. And so, again... Like I said, ignorance is bliss. As it turns out, um, Kelso was pretty healthy his entire life up until the very end. And he, but he was never behaviorally sound. He had all kinds of behavior problems. Most of them pretty typical behavior problems for border collies, which means that we probably were talking about a very strong genetic component Um, for all of those things. And these dogs didn't live in the house. So it's likely that the breeder, I'm using that term loosely, honestly, because I, this wasn't really a person, I don't think, intentionally producing a litter of dogs to go on and, you know, be amazing Border Collies. Even though he was only 250, I think it was more of a make-a-buck sort of situation. We have two border collies. They're both intact. You know, let's produce litters and sell them, Um, which is not that uncommon. You can still find plenty of situations like that going on in this country. Um, So it's unlikely that they were aware if the parents exhibited some of these behavior problems. And, you know, this is certainly... Under no circumstances does the way that I got Kelso qualify as a good idea. (laughs) Nothing about it is a good idea. Um, The fact that the litter was advertised in a newspaper is a bad thing. The fact that I didn't get any health screening um, on the parents is a bad thing. He was actually registered with the American Border Collie Association, so he was pedigreed. Um but that honestly means nothing and <laughs> so other than the fact that he truly a border collie and i basically everything that i did was wrong and like i said ignorance is bliss that's the third time because it is had i known better he wouldn't have been my dog and i feel so so grateful that he was my dog and so you live and learn right um second time around it's getting another border collie it's getting edgy and i was a lot i was a lot more informed this time i knew health screening to look at and i knew um some lines some pedigrees in the breed that i liked and i knew that it was important to me that my new dog came from actual working parents, not, not necessarily just dogs, you know, out on a farm somewhere, maybe doing nothing, which was Kelso's parents. And from there, I basically just went with a lead when I got it an agility friend of mine says, said that another agility friend of ours had a nice dog. And this is where he came from. I emailed the woman I got on the list. And several months later, I had a gene. She, uh, this woman, did do all the health screening that I thought was necessary. Both of her dogs were owned by her and worked on her cattle ranch. Um, and that's about all I asked. And it's pretty funny for me to think about that because that was eight years ago. And the way that I would go about something now is completely different. But I do think I did quite a few things right with Iggy. One thing, which is something that I tell people to do all the time when they're looking for a dog, especially when they're looking for a performance prospect, is to look around at dogs that they like, you know, and then find out where they're from. Iji's related to um, a Colorado agility dog that I admire, and I like him for his athletic ability, but also his really very stable temperament. That was really important to me this time around. And onward. Then I got Edgy. She was not raised in a house. She was born in a barn, literally. <laughs> and But when I got there, um, I saw that all of the adult dogs were loose running with the puppies, which I liked. Um, and the puppies were allowed a lot of free reign to explore this cattle ranch. And the weekly photos that I was receiving showed the puppies just kind of having a different adventure every week. Climbing, they literally climbed a snowbank into the back of a truck and, um, you know, went for a walk down to feed the cows and were just kind of allowed a lot of freedom to explore and figure out the world. And... Even though they weren't raised in a house, where they were kept was certainly clean and warm. None of the dogs were house dogs, which is so common um, with people who are actually keeping dogs as a truly a piece of farm equipment. So something that is a, an invaluable piece of their farm, but not necessarily of their household. I know that there's different opinions about that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think some of the best dogs in the world are going to come out of situations like that. Um, Would I prefer my puppies to be in a kitchen with a bustling family around them? Yes. But I went into the woman's home when I got there and it was pretty quiet. So I think it's possible the barn (laughs) offered the puppies a little more hustle and bustle to be exposed to than her home would have because uh, she was older. She was recently widowed and um, she had no children around. It was, it was very quiet. And so that's how I got edgy. And when I got edgy, I felt like I had just enough information to be helpful to myself. And then when it was time to get another dog, when it was time to think about a third Border Collie, I had just enough information to be a danger to myself. I had too much information. I was paralyzed. I was terrified. I looked into multiple different things, backed out of all of them. Um, Every breeder that I could uncover, it seemed, had a closet of skeletons. And every line had health problems that were really scary. Um, Every time I looked into a dog that I liked, I discovered a bunch of stuff behind them that I just couldn't. Couldn't deal with. As well as the fact that I was mostly looking at border collies at agility trials. I don't, I'm not a person that finds themselves at herding trials often. Um, And so when I was kind of doing my shopping and my research, those are the dogs I'm looking at. And I remember actually being at Sinus Sport the first time it was in Tennessee, so a few years ago, uh, I think 2014. And I was looking at dogs, intentionally thinking about where my next dog was going to come from or not Santa Sport. There's probably a thousand Border Collies, maybe more there for that event. Somebody should correct me on that if I'm wrong, but I think around a thousand. And I am telling you, I liked two of them. (laughs) There were two of them that I liked enough to inquire where they were from. One of them, um, it turned out was, she was just the only one of her entire family that I cared for. And, you know, that's fine. You're gonna have anomalies pop out of any line, but I just didn't like any of the other dogs she was related to, so I moved on. And the other one, um, was also pretty atypical for his line. And so that left me pretty stuck and just kind of back to the drawing board. And I remember looking and looking and talking to people and even getting pretty close to potentially signing up for, you know, being waitlisted for one litter. And I finally just quit looking because that's what I always tell people to do when they can't find a dog. Um, When they can't find the dog for them is to just quit looking for them and because they always show up. And the funny thing that happened with Felix is that when I found out about him, Kelso was actually still with us, was still alive. And I was not going to get a puppy while he was alive. That was pretty much a rule in my head. That I knew the clock was ticking for him. And I was not going to put him through another puppy. And I also understood that a puppy would take a lot of time away from him when I didn't have that much time left. And so I remember distinctly one night um, and you can (laughs) you can call me an insane person and never listen to this podcast again after this story if you want to but um, I believe twice in Kelso's life that he spoke to me whether he did so telepathically or whether I completely made it up is totally up for debate but twice in his life I feel as though he gave me a message and it was um, early April and he gave me the message that I should look for another puppy. And the message that I got was actually him saying that he was okay and that therefore I should look. And it was just a couple of days later that I wrote a blog I'm not even sure which blog it was. I have an idea, but I'm not sure. And somebody shared it on Facebook who I didn't know. And um, I just clicked her name to see who she was because her profile picture was a border collie. (laughs) And I saw that she had bred these two dogs just a couple of days prior. Um, she said that, you know, her first litter was finally, you know, hopefully in the oven. And I just started to look further. Um, and I liked that she owned both the dogs. The Dogs were attractive to me and they were accomplished in the sport world. Um, both really, really accomplished obedience dogs, which... I think personally says to me more about the dog's temperament than agility does. Um, Not that obedience tests temperament at all. I think obedience training does. (laughs) If a dog can be an obedience trial champion, that says something about them. And so I just kind of started looking further casually. And then when when it became apparent that I should talk to this person, I shot her a message and you know, I thanked her for sharing the blog and I told her I was inquiring about this litter of puppies that she was going to have. And she answered all my questions and she just kept answering them right. Um, and then the kind of final nail in the coffin was I said to her, have you heard of puppy culture? If you guys haven't heard of puppy culture, um you should probably just pause this and google it right now so that I don't have to <laughs> explain what it is. I think most people are familiar with it, but it's basically a puppy raising program and that was relatively new at the time. And she said, "Oh yes, I've heard of it and I plan on doing it with the puppies. I'm even taking time off work to implement the protocols." And I said, well, you know, when can I, can I send you money (laughs) or something? Um, Basically, I, I wanted to be on the list. I said, okay, this sounds great. I want to be on this list. And then, you know, several months later, Felix came along. A month after the conversation that I had with her following the message or whatever I got from Kelso, Um, I actually lost Kelso. And, you know, a series of events occurred that really let me know that it was time to let him go. And... And so I did. Um, The puppies were still in utero when that happened, and I didn't even know if there was going to be one in there for me. Those things had nothing to do with each other, but anyway, uh, early May, I let Kelso go. And then early June, Felix and his sister were born and there were only two puppies in the litter, which was a big surprise to everybody. Um, the breeder did actually find that out about halfway through. Um, but you know, I just kind of hung out the whole time. And I wasn't really supposed to get one. (laughs) There was a list of people. Um, I didn't think that one of them would be mine, except that something deep inside me told me to stick with this. And I did. And a few months later, through a chain of events, (laughs) um, Felix became mine. So being raised in puppy culture and being out of two parents that had all the health tests that I could imagine um, and whose lines were you know better known and understood by this person that I was getting him from than I could understand them. and you know, just basically, it looked good. It looked like it looked like a good scenario for me and for him. and it so far has been. Um, his breeder has been really supportive of everything that I've done with him this whole time. And I really feel like I can go to her with anything, with any questions. Um, and she would be supportive. She's really supportive of all my training that I do with him. And it's honestly been fantastic. He's a great dog. Obviously he's only a year and a half. And so if... He's going to develop health problems. I have no idea what they are yet. You know, obviously I hope not, but anything could happen. And, but generally speaking, you know, what's great about him is his resilience. And just the fact that he's got this person in his corner, and not just me. He had, somebody brought him onto this earth who really cared about him. And that matters to me. It also matters to me that she produced this litter so that she could have a puppy. She didn't produce this litter to turn a profit or make a name for herself. She produced this litter because she wanted something out of it and she kept his sister and that to me, you know, if a breeder, isn't going to keep a puppy out of a litter, then I question why they, why they produce the litter in the first place. And usually I've found that that answer is going to be for profit. Most of the time, a breeder is at least going to want to, you know, keep a co-owned puppy to continue their breeding program. Um, But generally speaking for me, the best scenario is a person who's producing a litter so that they can have their next performance prospect out of that litter. And so I'm glad that my knowledge paralysis actually led me to just giving up and letting the puppy come to me, because as I tell everybody, he did come to me. I tell everybody that. It's just hard to believe it when you're sitting around waiting um, and not knowing what's going to happen next. But he did. He showed up, and here he is. And I have to say that that's actually my, my spiritual belief, is that dogs wind up with the person they're supposed to wind up with and that my dogs are no different. I didn't know anything. I got Kelso out of the newspaper and he completely altered the course of my life for in a very positive way. With Iggy I knew a little bit more, but not a ton. And I basically followed a lead where it where it took me and there she was. And she really Um, showed up and basically all but hopped up and down, waving, saying, pick me, pick me, (laughs) when I got there. um, She actually ran up to me in the snow with a pine cone in her mouth and spit the pine cone at my feet and was like, are we doing this or what? And I said, yes, we're doing this (laughs) because you're the cutest thing I've ever seen. And I actually did do structural evaluations on that litter, had it narrowed down to her and her sister, and then um, picked her because... She was the one that really just kind of spoke to me by bringing me that pine cone. And Felix, to be honest, I saw a picture of him when he was four weeks old. I knew what his name was that second, and I knew that he was mine, even though he technically wasn't mine until another four weeks later. (laughs) I knew that he was. Um, And he is such a gift and such a blessing in so many ways that... I feel like, of course, it happened again. It happened all over again. The right dog landed in my lap. And if you can think that way when you're looking for a puppy, I think it will help you to not feel, you know, just so frantic and so worried about doing, quote, doing it right. Because you're not going to do it wrong. You know, of course, inform yourself, but know that You know, none of my people that I've talked to so far would tell you that their dog was a mistake. Um, I actually know that, you know, in in the case of Patty with Kevin, um, he's everything to her and he, he really drastically changed her life in the way that she sees dogs and dog training. And... Emily didn't know that Jade would be a champion hiker instead of a champion agility dog, or in or in addition to <laughs> champion agility dog. She had no idea, but she wouldn't trade it. Um, they go on the most amazing adventures, and Heidi is is the dog trainer that she never knew she wanted to be now because of Prime, and her new puppy has fully benefited from how much she has learned. And her competitiveness and agility, I believe, will only continue to be more and more amazing because of everything that Prime taught her. And so know that I think, you know, these things happen for reasons so that we can learn and that there isn't a mistake to be made if we can look at it that way. So those are my three dogs so far, and next time I've mentioned that we are going to have a very special guest, I just talked for a minute about puppy culture, and the reason I didn't go too deep into it is because we're going to get deep into it with Jane next week. She's going to talk about, or I'm sorry, in two weeks, she's going to talk about puppy culture, she's going to talk about her bull terriers, and we're going to talk about you know what a breeder's responsibility should be to the behavioral wellness of her litter once they're on the ground. So if you guys have questions, shoot them to me at cogdogradio at com, and I hope to hear from you then.